everybody. Hello. Happy Friday. It is your girls from Keep Your Gin Up podcast. I'm Zana. And I am Jess. And as we say every single week, we have an amazing episode for you today because every single episode we do is amazing and we're never going to say it's not. Um, but we have an amazing guest today. His name is Dan. We will go into the story behind um, how we met him and ended up discussing his life journey. But in a nutshell, he became a quadriplegic at a very young age and had a C6 spinal cord injury, which we will go into. And we basically chat and navigate his life, what it was like before, what it is like now, the challenges, the ups, the downs. And the roller coaster journey that is life in general. Um, but before that, we're going to get into our spill the teas. So, Jess, what is your spill the tea this week? All right, everybody. This is a weird one. It's very, <laughs> it's very strange. It's very strange. And I've been telling all the girls about it because it's just such a cracker. So I mm. thought, why not share it with the keep you gin up thing? Because we share everything with you guys. So I love you guys. <laughs> You're my family now. Yeah. So Basically, we all knew, well, we all know that I was just um, coming from Thursday Island. I've been traveling and I was trying to get back to Brisbane because I needed to move my trailer. So everyone knows I was a little nomad before. I've got this trailer that I used to travel with. But when you live in Brisbane CBD of all places, you've got to bloody find places to put the trailer. Mm. So a friend of ours was um, had it in her property and she ended up moving house while I was away and new tenants had moved in. So my trailer was still sitting there. So I was like, this is awkward. I've got to get to that property. Mm-hmm. I've got to move that trailer. And now some randos are living there. So I rock up and I knock on the door and this guy's like, come in. And I was like, <laughs> I was so busy that day. And I was like, flustered as hell. And I like opened this door and I was like, hello. He's like, hey, what's up? And I was like, hi, um, sorry that this, some random just walked into your house. I was like, I just, <laughs> that's my trailer that's sitting in your driveway and I just need your car moved so I could actually like take it. I'm really sorry. He's like, oh, no problems at all. It's a young bloke. <laughs> anyway, he's helping me out. He's a really chatty guy. And he's like, oh, you look so stressed, eh? And I was like, well, yeah, I am really stressed. I've just coughed the plane and I'm trying to do all this stuff. And he was like, oh, you know what you need? I was like, what? He's like, do you want a bong? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Yeah, like definitely, yep, that's 100% what I need to do right now when I have so many things to do. I've got to back my trailer. I've got to move my trailer. I have to put it in a new spot. But, yeah, sure, no no worries. We're definitely going to have a bong. I literally had just been travelling for like a day and a half and I was just like. Like one, COVID. I don't want to share your bong. That's disgusting. It was just like so random. And then he was like, come on, beer or bong? What do you want? You're definitely stressed out. You need something. And I was just like, whoa, (laughs) I just didn't expect Like that's a no from me, And I said, I was like, yeah, this is a no from me. Um, So got the trailer and just like skedaddled out of there and I rented a new spot in Brisbane to put the trailer so and then I'm off to the new spot and it's this gorgeous little elderly couple parked the trailer there was going through everything and I kind of had I think pretty sure I mentioned that I was like thirsty because I was like I had been you know doing so much that day so she's like I'll come upstairs and have some water um before you go and I was like oh my god yes I could have like three liters right now anyway I got upstairs (laughs) and she has a water for me and she's like okay here's your water but you got to stay for a wine too if you're going to have this water. And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. You're like, I've been offered a bong. I just want to get home. I was like, all I wanted to do was go home, mate. And I ended up having two glasses of wine with this couple. And then I got home and I was, you know, exhausted, tipsy, had a mm. hilarious day. And I was just like, Zana, like I've been offered a bong and I've been drinking with these random, this random couple like for the last like hour. And she's just like, what? I was hell? like, why does this stuff always happen to you? Like no one would ask me for a bong and come in for a wine. Like yes, this weird, shit just eh? doesn't happen to me. I don't know. That's why I'm just like, I've been telling everybody. I'm like, I just had the most stressful day ever. And I mean, people were obviously trying to help me out, you know, give me some mm. little little weed. I don't know. Mm. They must have just thought, do I look like a stoner? Just FYI. Like, do I, do I? 
I don't know. I don't know Ever, what a I don't think stoner I do. looks like these days, really. I don't think I do. Stoner's anyway. going to be quite high-functioning, I yeah, suppose. True. I don't know. But, yeah, <laughs> random. So bloody Very random. random. That's my little mm. tea. Something odd that's happened this week. Yeah, very strange, isn't it? Yeah. What, have you, what have you got? Oh, oh, oh God, God, here we yeah. go. Prepare for this it's one, just, guys. It's just all come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys follow along with us, we went to our first same-sex marriage, um, not last weekend, the week before, which was amazing. Oh, so nice. The fact that that could not have happened that long ago is just mind-blowing. It blows my mind. Um, it actually really does. And it was just the most perfect, lovely, you know, inclusive wedding and um, – we barely made it there because a lot of shit happened before. Um, so Jess came back. If anyone listened last week, they heard about tic-tac-toe Timmy and <laughs> and she ended up getting some tonsillitis, some very, very, very bad tonsillitis yeah. that we assumed was COVID but it wasn't. Severe, man. It was severe. Um, anyway, she made it back last week. But <laughs> when we were about to go to the wedding is when she got the tonsillitis and we thought, oh, God, she's got the Rona. We're not going to go to this wedding. We'd literally planned the entire start of the year around this wedding. Mm-hmm. We'd planned our contracts around this wedding. We'd planned our plans around this wedding because we had to go. We just knew that was something that we wanted to do. Um, and then she got super sick and we were like, far out, like as if this is happening the exact week that this is happening. So mm-hmm. Jess was already on her deathbed. We got to the day and she's like dying. And I, she's I was like, literally dying. We still hadn't really made the decision that we were going until like eleven. And she's like, okay, no, like we've got to do this. We've got to get, um, we've got to get going. And so I'd had like a, like a spinach roll thing for lunch because I was like, I need to eat something because I'm going to be so hungry. I have belly in this morning. Zana doesn't eat, man. She just constantly is hungry. Yeah. She's like, man. I'm hungry, I'm hungry. So I was like, you have to eat before we go. Like, yeah, I don't want to be hangry. Also, it's like an hour drive and I was driving because Jess was sick. So anyway, we're driving there and everything was all good. Jess was not feeling fabulous, but we just thought we're just going to go for the ceremony and we'll go straight home. <laughs> and we literally, driving driving absolutely fine. It's about an hour drive. Get to maybe like five minutes away, I'd say. We were <laughs> like five kilometres away and I was like, oh no. Oh no, I think I got a shit. And I was like, my stomach was gurgling. Like, I will talk about this on another podcast, but like, when I need to go, I need to fucking go. go. As soon as she told me that this was happening, I was like, oh shit. Like, I'm not like someone who's like, oh no, I just got the urge. Like, no, it'll be fine. If I get that urge, like, it's just a very specific urge, I know that I don't have long until I will shit myself. It was even just the way you said it in the car. You're like, oh no. Because it is so painful. Like, I don't know if anyone, get severe IBS but when you get those cramps and you know that that poo is coming it is stressful you start sweating (laughs) I start like it's like my body starts rejecting everything that is inside of it and it's like I get sweaty I get rashy and I was like I can't like where is the toilet we're in the middle of the country and I was like we have four minutes to get to this wedding where we literally had four minutes to get there to get to the ceremony on time at a very precise time because yeah we were starting at 2 44 p.m and that was a number that really um, resonated with them yeah. resonated with their wedding like the number 44 so we knew that we had to be there mm-hmm. but I'm like you know in the passenger seat like mm-hmm. I had fevers I was sweating through my yeah. days this chick next to me is like sweating because she's about to shit herself yeah and I'm driving and I'm like what am I gonna do and I was like thinking what have I got in the car like where can I poo and I was like it got to that stage where like it was gonna come out and I was like nah I gotta pull over and Jess is like it's like we'll just find a toilet somewhere just like blame it on me we won't go to the wedding and I was like no we have to get to this wedding and so I pull over I'm in this like nice pink dress I find a bush that thank god was actually out of road view and it was like you know, on a farm. You were very bright that day. Like it was very easy to spot you. Like, <laughs> God, I was on a farm. And so I had to do 
a bush poo on the side of the road. I had to do it. And I, it was only like, you know, half of what needed to be done. So I got to the wedding and I was like, no, nah, we've got to get there. We got there literally within a minute. I think it was like, yeah, it was like 45 seconds. And the bride came. We'll just like, we ran to the seats and sit down and we'll just like look to each other. I'm fevering and sweating. And, and so she- was I. I was still fevering and sweating because it wasn't all out yet. And she was getting out of the car and I was like, hurry the fuck up. Why is she not out of the car yet? Like, I'm like, I need to go. And there was a portaloo there. And so as soon as she got up there and they started doing their vows, I was like, luckily we we're sitting at the back. Oh. I snuck out because I was like, Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And you got death stares. Like, it was so funny. So but like, I had no choice. Like, leaving? I'm not going to shit myself in public. Like, that would be even more embarrassing. So, anyway, that's my story. I It was freaking hilarious. I would have shat myself if I did not do either of those things. So, it was a unfortunately, big, it was a big week for us, you know? Yeah. Tic Tac Toe Timmy, unfortunately, the whole trailer situation, the tonsillitis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it used to be very embarrassed about the fact that like, you know, I had these bowel issues. I'd had issues like that since I was a kid, but I just have to embrace it now. There's absolutely nothing I can do. I cannot tell what food makes me do it and what doesn't. I know some foods that do, so I steer away from them, but I'd eaten those spinach and ricotta rolls like wraps before. Yeah, you do. Sorry, the spinach, what are they called? Little sausage rolls. Roll thingies. Yeah. I'd eaten them before and they hadn't done that to me. So it really does not, it does not have any kind of theory behind it. funny. So One that was day, super though. fun. It yeah. was so funny though. But then Jess got better. I got better. We ended up staying and had a boogie at the reception and it yeah. was great. And we made such good friends at our table. Like I was telling yeah. them, I was like, man, I was like, I've got pus all in my throat right now. Yeah. And because that's just how I talk. That's just the way I am. And they were just like, oh, just get just get some of the food and it will help push it down. Mm. Like instead of being like, ew, you're disgusting. They were like, oh, you'll be right. Like just, just chuck it down. It'll be, actually like good. That. It'll be good. It'll just like push the pus away. And I was like, you guys are my people. Yeah. And we, you know, we told them about the bush poo and they were like laughing, telling us yeah. poo stories. And I was like, this is a great wedding. Yeah. I, I love people that just don't give a shit. Love that. Love it. Anyway. Mm, that's our now, stories. <laughs> we're pretty disgusting. <laughs> we normalize shit on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's like why this podcast episode is so like amazing because we are normalizing someone that you know, has a disability and talking about mm-hmm. their experiences and what their life is like and even made us more aware, like even just mm-hmm. looking around our surroundings, being like, oh, God, yeah, like certain places and certain yeah. areas aren't wheelchair friendly and like mm-hmm. I wonder like the struggles that people do go through. So, yeah, yeah this was a – I love this episode. It was a really, really good episode and I think it really shows everyone to just be kind to everyone yeah. and accept everyone for how they are because behind closed doors – behind closed doors they are just the same person as any of us they may have something that looks slightly different or they may you know have a disability that we just don't understand but we don't need to understand it they're still the same person that they were they still you know provide amazing things to society they have amazing friendships and they yeah they're they're just like any of us with the same issues as any of us so exactly you know teach your kids teach people in the world that like you know it's okay to ask questions. It's okay for kids to ask questions and be like, oh, what's happened? What's happened there? Don't shy away from answering questions. Don't shy away from, you know, p- making these people think that they they should be hiding away because they should not be. Absolutely not. And what I definitely took from this episode is that the mind is just so, 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 powerful. so powerful. And just being around the right people and putting the right words in mm-hmm. your mind and just being positive, acknowledging that there are shit days and just yeah. being open and talking about it with people is like the absolute key mm-hmm. because i mean life life is fucking hard sometimes it is really hard and you know what we all have our shit but mm-hmm. you know we're all along for the same journey exactly um but on that note we are drinking baby pink gin again tonight mm. of course fabulous mm, love it oh doll love mm. that drink yeah. um get yourself some babypinkgin.com 
It is Gin Up Podcast at the checkout for 15% off. And while you're at it, while you're on your phone, you know, going on there, you may as well click the little follow button on our podcast. You may as well <laughs> click the little bell because you don't want to miss any of these exciting episodes that are coming up because they are fabulous. Oh, we got some good ones coming as well. So yeah. enjoy this episode, spread the word, spread the love. Because, I mean, it means the world to us. Okay, we hope you enjoy. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. We are joined today by Dan. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Sorry, I was just putting the got it little thing on my laptop. Got it. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what, why they're staring at me through this. Oh, place. my God. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> anyway, before we start, any of our amazing questions that we have for you today, we want to hear your spilled tea. What is your spilled tea this week? Well, my spilled tea would be probably a story I like to tell lots of people. Um, since post-injury, I've um, been a teacher aide, so I work with kids quite a little bit. And um, I was teaching this young fella and he was asking me, he's like, so where can you feel from? Like, why, how come your body doesn't work? And I explained to him about, oh, I'm about the chest down. I can't feel anything. And he's like, oh, okay. And wanted to ask more questions and I wasn't sure. So I was like, come on, mate, like, we better do some work. Let's, we can talk about this another time. And he's like, okay. So we're doing our work. And then I noticed his arms shaking across the desk. And I was like, this is a little bit odd, but kept going on with what we were doing. And then I started to feel like a little bit funny. Like I couldn't feel anything, but I was like, something's up. So I went backwards, looked under the desk and he was pushing a blunt end of a pencil into my leg while while working and he's like just looking at me eyeballing me doing it and I was like what are you doing and he's like oh I was just checking to make sure you couldn't feel and I was like trust me mate I'm not lying and he got in a bit of strife the teacher wasn't too happy but I just laughed because it's just what oh my god what a story that's a good one yeah that is a good one if my kid did that (laughs) oh my god i'll be mortified but yeah kid's brain would be so curious so yeah like i don't understand what he's saying i can't believe he did that and was like staring at you at the same time yeah he was just i guess he was just checking to see it was all legit and it was so but that's the best thing about kids they're they're very they just say what they think we're like adults and we can all make it a bit complicated but they see something they usually just mention it and off you go exactly right oh goodness that poor little, little kid. bugger though <laughs> little bugger. but i guess he learned his lesson you know he knows now that these things yeah are- you know yeah no. when people say they can't feel they usually can't feel yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> I just love that guess- it wasn't a sharp pencil like Jesus oh god like- yeah no that wow. it, it was good it never did any damage so it was a good story but i am thankful it wasn't the sharp end Yes, definitely. I think you would have been feeling a little bit more funny. <laughs> it was definitely. I would have been in actual pain, I think. Oh, my God. I feel like you got some more stories up your sleeve. So like, many. I think working with kids, like, you would just, you would have a million stories. Yeah. Like, even as a nurse, we get some cracker stories. Mm. But yeah. I think you're well, right. They, they think when I sleep that I sleep in my wheelchair with my legs bent up in the air like that. Oh, my like, goodness. <laughs> it's, like, attached to you at all times. Yeah. <laughs> or if I have a baby that it will come out in a wheelchair and it's like, Oh my goodness. That is actually. Maybe won't come out of me, but it won't be in a wheelchair, but who knows? That's so sweet. You have to teach them anatomy and the fact that it won't come out with a wheelchair. I know. (laughs) Well, I guess going back to the start then, like tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from and like your background kind of, I guess, before you had your injury, um, what your life was like before. Um, I grew up in little old central Queensland in Gladstone. I was Mm. there pretty much up until last year and I, um, 
just a family of four, mum, dad, myself and my older sister. And um, yeah, just regular kid, loved everything outdoors, doing everything physical, played soccer, um, liked to surf a little bit, pretty much just running around being as active as possible. And um, yeah, played lots of soccer, had a really tight family and we um, just went about our lives by ourselves with friends and just typical little family. And um, yeah, I was, as I got a little bit older, I sort of kept, um, sort of did my job, sort of, you know, did all the part-time jobs. I was into fishing a little bit, worked at a, a bait and tackle store, video shop. And then I liked school, but I was sort of like, I was there for the social part of it. I sort of, wasn't sure what I wanted to do so I always liked um, uh, manual arts and things like that so I um, applied for a job in grade 11 as a carpenter and as more like interview practice and stuff and got it so then I was like oh shit I have to (laughs) be a builder now and leave school so I um, left school and started my apprenticeship and I thought I'd like it but I struggled a little bit at the start, I was a bit of a late bloomer, so I was a little fella. So oh. everything was so hard trying to – all these drills were really big and heavy, so every job was <laughs> really exhausting. So I didn't really like it at first, but I grew to love it. And then, um, yeah, it was just doing my job and stuff like that and playing soccer. And then I turned 18, started doing a bit of the partying and stuff like that, but – not long after my act, uh, sorry, not long after my accident. Not long after my birthday in August, I had my motorbike accident when I was um, in November, so three months later or something. So that mm. was sort of it. That's sort of pre-life, Dan. And wasn't yeah, it was really good, but obviously, yeah, super young. Yeah, yeah very what, young. What happened um, in terms of that accident? So you said it was with a, a motorbike. Yeah. So. It's, um, I didn't really ride motorbikes, so like my mates had a couple and I was more like, like I said, into fishing and soccer and surfing and stuff. So my girlfriend at the time, we sort of wanted something to do in the off season of soccer. So um, we, you know, those little pit bikes, they're like the smaller little mm-hmm. motorbikes. They're pretty yep. small. So anyway, we got them to ride in the bush and we had a couple of friends who rode them and then... Um, yeah, but it was just sort of kicking her out the bush and stuff. But a couple of her other friends, they sort of rode professionally and stuff for like um, crusty demons and things like that. And we got invited out to their property on a Saturday morning and they were jumping into a foam pit. And I was like, you want to have a go? If everyone doesn't know what a foam pit is, which I didn't until I saw it, <laughs> basically like a big fenced area or a pool area that's like filled with chunks of foam that's um, meant to let people practice doing things and not hurt themselves ironically um, yeah they were just jumping into it and stuff and I didn't know them too well so everyone that knows me knows I'm I'm pretty cheeky and can be a little bit of a smart Alex so I was I wasn't that day because I was a little bit like um, nervous and didn't really know the guys too well but um yeah, they said, oh, do you want to try a jump? And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. So I was like, right, oh, and they sort of showed me go a bit slower, did a normal jump, and then I sort of was 
feeling pretty chuffed with myself. I was like, oh, yeah, that was all right. And then kept watching them jump and they were doing backflips at the time. And they then said, oh, did you want to, um, how about you try a, a flip and then we'll move the ramp closer for the girls to have a go. And everything about me was like, oh, don't, Dan, I don't know. You've only had a motorbike a few months and you've never really jumped. But they were pretty insistent, but nothing too bad. But I did feel a bit of peer pressure. But I, um, so anyway, I rode back there and they again showed me how to do the run up and everything about me was my gut feeling was like just don't do it like it's probably not going to be great but I was like it's a phone pee you'll be fine like mm. what's the worst that can happen so as I was riding up I said I was getting this gut feeling and my mum always taught me listen to your gut feeling so but I like any 18 year old I went against that <laughs> went against that and I rode up and I tried to so I've got memory of it. I didn't knock myself out, but from memory, I've sort of leant right back and then I've pretty much landed just me sitting in the foam and then I just sort of <laughs> felt a big, like, loud bang and I sort of heard a crack and then I just went warm and fuzzy instantly and straight away just thought, ah, shit, <laughs> I'm in trouble here. I didn't know exactly what I'd done, but... I knew it wasn't great and then so I was just laying there and I just felt warm and fuzzy and I, I could because I was in the foam I kind of felt like I was in quicksand so I was having a bit of a panic attack and mm. the guys are all like get out and I was like I can't and then they're like just get out and I'm like I can't and I was sort of bending I didn't realize that I was like not so much moving like I knew my legs weren't working so I just sort of kept hitting my legs and I was like I can't and then I think that's when they've realized it's pretty bad and I um they I think they came in and sort of just checked me a little bit and then I was like oh, I'm not too sure what's happened but it's not real good and yeah straight away I was a little bit just not so much angry at myself but just annoyed because I went against my gut feeling and sort of didn't speak up when I didn't want to do something but ultimately it was my choice so I sort of just had to roll with it but yeah I was laying there and they ran up and called the ambulance and then two ambulance guys came and then they said oh we're gonna have to get a helicopter and that's when I sort of was like oh shit I could be in a bit of trouble here yeah and then I was still fine but then they said we're gonna ring your parents and for me I was that's what made it real I was like no 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 don't ring them because like I knew they'd be upset and like my sister had just got home for uni holidays the night before so yeah that was sort of the big one that made me feel like um this is real now once they had to be called so yeah basically the ambos were there he was sort of moving me around a little bit and it's funny story actually he was quite obese so he's like and I, I can just imagine like moving everything trying not to move me and I was like he's I'm like please don't he's like dripping sweat on my face and I'm like paralyzed I'm like excuse me dude like I hate to be an asshole but like you're sweating all over me and he's like oh I'm so so sorry so sorry so that was a bit of a funny story with it like I tried to use a bit of humor just to like calm myself down a little bit as well because it all got a little bit real so that was sort of yeah, that happened, and then the uh, the 
helicopter came and I was a bit too tall for that because I'm six foot four. So there was a bit of a drama getting me on. They'd put me on, then put me off. And where they sort of checked me out and did all the tests again, I think. And then they flew me to Brisbane where I was given the whole flight, that whole day I was given one uh, cube of ice, crust cube of ice an hour. So because apparently most of your organs shut down. So like they thought that I could um, like drown from if I drank water, because obviously I was thirsty. So mm-hmm. all I wanted was just some water. But yeah, I got a bit of crushed ice every hour until the fact they, I threw up and they brushed my teeth and I swallowed the foamy water because I was too thirsty. So. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a desperate measure. Yeah. I know. I was like, I've got to drink. I've been motorbike riding all day. So yeah, they got to Brisbane. And then it all sort of went from there. There's a lot yeah. to unpack. That's, that is a lot. It is. Yeah. And I sort of waffled on a bit, but it's hard to, so long ago now trying to piece it all together, but it, um, yeah, it's like a shortened version of it. And then, yeah, obviously I was in rehab. It's obviously a long time ago, but you remember like those little details of someone like dropping sweat on you. Like it's such a high intense moment. And those are the things that you remember. It's so yeah. what your brain remembers and what it doesn't, you know? And not to be dramatic either, but it was very much like, you know, in the movies when people nearly die and they say like that reel of their life goes on. That was definitely what happened with me. Like pretty much instantly all the things you might not get to do, which is pretty heavy for like when you're 18 was like, it almost instant. As soon as it happened, I was like, I'm not going to be able to, you know, like walk on the beach or maybe not have kids or, yeah, it was pretty heavy, but it definitely happened to me. I came straight away of all the things that I might not be able to do. But luckily, okay. I've been able to do a few more of them that I thought I wouldn't as well. So when was the moment that they, I guess, told you what your injury was and what kind of your prognosis of that injury was? Yeah, well, predominantly the first week they tell you you don't really, they tell your family to keep a diary and stuff because um, like I'm all on drug, like they've, drugged me up and I'm sort of just sleepy but I think sort of that's obviously spoken to my family but I think it was a week or two in and they the specialist came and they sort of said yeah you've you've had a spinal injury at C6 for me which is so like that um, if you feel along the back of your neck in line with your shoulders there's like a pretty prominent bone there that's the bone I broke and they said you've had a complete injury so incomplete can mean there's a little bit of uh, movement or feeling below the injury but I didn't have any unfortunately but it um yeah they said my bone had um, more of a dislocation had popped out hit my spinal cord and then luckily popped straight back in place so I um yeah so they were like you see six which is predominantly uh, paralyzed from about nipples down a bit below nipples and yeah luckily I had a little bit of I've got a bit more function in my upper limbs than most C6s so like I've got full triceps and biceps my hands are still impaired like I can't sort of make a tight fist or um, open my hands especially my right one's probably not the best but my left one's got a bit of individual movement but not much like not too much strength but that's definitely a positive and then Mm. yeah they said you're going to have we don't really want to do surgery because the injury 
like your bones straight back in place and there's always a risk for it to get worse. So they went back to the old school for me and I was in traction. So they basically Ooh. cut, yeah, they cut little, put little bolts. So they held a bolt. Each, best way to describe a bolt or a nail on each side of my temple or a bit above my ear and hammered it into my skull really. And then I laid that way for six weeks getting turned every three hours to my left, onto my back, onto my right, onto my back, onto my left for six weeks. So yeah, God, it must have felt like a lifetime. A very old school method. I've never seen traction. Yeah. Well, I figured that as well because they'd get all the nurses along and all the student nurses to Jordan frame me up the bed because I yes. was so long as well. And they said, we don't usually use a Jordan frame. So, which is. Oh, wow. Well, they didn't yeah, usually. Yeah. Strap me back up, move back up the bed. So yeah. yeah in hindsight, I would have preferred surgery because I would have been back up into my chair a bit quicker. Like, because it seems like people were coming in after me and getting back up, but it is what it is really. Yeah. Wow. Big what story. A story. Big story. <laughs> big story. I remember, Condensed, yeah. but still kind of big. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for an 18 year old to yes. go through something like that, like it's heavy and it's, oh, I can't even like when I first met you as well, because obviously we've done a bit of a backstory about how I met you. Yeah. You just are in a really, I don't know, you just got really good positive vibes. I mm. feel like, did you go through some hard, dark times when you were 18 or is, has your personality always just been like, that humor and just like, no, nah, let's just focus on the positives here. And let's just, cause like when I met you, you just like had all these positive vibes and you had the humor. And I was like, this guy's so um, like amazing for dealing with something so heavy. But when yeah. you were 18, did you go through like a dark period? Well, I still go through them now, but I've all, I've also always had the belief of you got to feel it to heal it. So you can't, um, to me, if you just push things away, whether you're feeling up or down, is it's just going to come back ten times worse. So, mm-hmm. I, I've and like thankfully with my parents and especially my mum, she taught me like you can feel shitty, but you can't feel shitty forever. So like give yourself the little bit of time, but then eventually there comes a time when you got to like that's enough and push through it. And sure that feeling might come back, but no, I've go through ebbs and flows ever since and. I think whether you're able-bodied or disabled, you're going to do that as well. And it's up to you whether to, I don't know, dwell on it or just make the most out of it. Like, sure, it sucks, but it's still lots to live for and lots to do as well. So I, yeah, um, the power that's of the mind. Amazing. That's amazing. Like the power of yeah. the mind, hey. Yeah, power of the yeah. mind, but also, yeah, like I said, but I definitely do, yeah, like I like to have a joke and sort of sometimes yeah you just have a bit of fun and you push yourself through things but no I definitely I never really had a big pit of depression I've it's just like I said I'll feel shitty for a day or two and then I'm um yeah I just find a reason to get up and get on with it and then yeah it might come back or it might be might come back really quick in a week or two or then it might nothing might trigger you for a long time but yeah no I'm definitely try to be positive but yeah definitely comes um you can get down a bit yeah that's pretty incredible though you should be super proud of yourself for how yeah how positive and how driven and motivated you still are like considering everything that you've been through so I guess back when your accident first happened did your parents ever kind of tell you like what they thought in the moments that they heard what happened to you 
Um, it's funny. We've sort of spoke about it, but not so much. Like they sort of a little bit of a backstory was dad was chilling out on the couch or I think mum was too. My sister was having a shower and they got the phone call from my girlfriend at the time, say I oh, down had an accident and basically they grabbed the keys. Mum popped her head in the shower and was like, Dan's had an accident to my sister and said, Dan's had an accident and bailed. So she was like, I have no idea what's going on, what sort of accident. Mum had to grab some shoes to, like, obviously thinking I've got to get shoes to go see him and she grabbed a pair of stilettos and I was, in, <laughs> I, was in the, I was in the bush so she had to, like, walk barefoot. But, um, yeah, obviously I think they would have had all their fears and stuff because they didn't know what injury Yeah. Had. But mum said when I got there and they were in the ambulance, she remembers hearing them say C6 and I'd, or C and she knew that that meant like he's probably paralysed. But, um, yeah, no, that, we've never really dealt right into yeah, the fears they had, but you can just imagine what parents would have been. I guess whatever I've felt, they probably felt just as much. So Your parents teaching you from such a young age that, you know, you got to pick yourself up every day, like, it's crazy that they said like that. I guess they taught you that, and then you kind of had to exactly do that. Yeah, no, you obviously my, have a very supportive family. Definitely, and- we we were always very tight and they're very supportive. And um, my mum's one of the most resilient people I know, and she teaches um, me and my sister, and I think anyone she knows that as well. So we, um, yeah, it's definitely something I'm pretty proud of, and proud of our family as well, because like I said, we were always tight, but. I think when things like this happen, you, it either makes you or breaks you, you get tighter or it can bust yeah. you up. And luckily we're really tight. And I think they're probably thankful every day that you're still on this planet. So yeah, experiencing life, which is, yeah, life is amazing. And you've got that great attitude, which yeah. is yeah. super inspiring. Exactly. And it might not be exactly how you planned it, but I don't think anyone's life is. So you just make the no. most of it. So exactly. Mm. So when I met you, I was so interested because we need to talk about the wheelchair rugby because you remember when you told me that and I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> now I've seen it on Instagram and it is intense. Yes. Oh, it's unreal. Instagram videos and I'm just so like amazed at it. It just looks rough as guts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> but talk oh, about how you got into that. Like how did you get into that journey of, of wheelchair rugby? Well, I was first introduced to it when I had my injury. So back in 2004, but unfortunately being in central Queensland, like not a major city there, they didn't play it. And at that time, all I wanted to do was come home and be with family and friends where I think in hindsight, I probably should have stayed here in Brisbane. But so anyway, I was introduced to it. Then we got to go and watch. I couldn't have a go at the time because I was still in a neck brace. But, yeah, it's been something I've wanted to play for a long time, but I sort of just got stuck in Gladstone. And then, yeah, a bit of a move finally manifested to come to Brisbane. And one of the guys I saw at Sporting Wheelies on Instagram was training there, and his name's Mitch, and he was, yeah, he was real cool. He's like, yeah, when you come down, come down and check it out. And I was here, I think, a week when I moved here and went straight down and, had a go and yeah it's been unreal it was <laughs> it was it's been really good the, my honeymoon's finally over as the boys say because when I was new they weren't like barging me too hard but free, <laughs> too rough. yeah it's a free for all now so it's been really good I'm 
obviously way behind the eight ball compared to lots of the guys there, but I'm loving being competitive again and playing competitive. Yeah, again, so. definitely. It's good rehabilitation for yeah. you as well. Good arm yeah. strength. Oh, man, I've, I used to coach soccer for so long back in Gladstone and I'd ride the boys. I'd be like, come on, three minutes left, push, push, push. And now it's rolls or reverse. I'm like, gosh, this is exhausting. But it's, um, yeah, been so much fun. I really enjoy it. And off to Melbourne next week for Emerging Talent Camp as well so it's all Ooh, happening so. that's awesome yeah. what? manifesting all yeah. this cool shit. look at that i know right <laughs> i'm glad you moved to brisbane that's a good mm, decision it's yeah. a good decision yeah so what did your life i guess look like right after your accident when you did i guess come home to gladstone um how did your i guess rehabilitation life look living at home like did you get straight back into kind of working or was it just a long period of you doing rehab and kind of getting um, back on yeah it was it's a funny thing so yeah, it was really odd. Basically, all I wanted to do was get home. And then I got home and realized nothing had changed but me. And so I had memories everywhere. It was quite odd. It was a really odd feeling. And it was also a bit weird at the time because the Gladstone was amazing and raised so much money for me. It was, they had a bring Dan home campaign. And, oh, yeah, my God, I was in the paper a lot, but also it was like the Truman Show when I got home. <laughs> I wheeled into the local mall and it was like as the doors opened everyone just stopped and looked at me and it was like really overwhelming because I, like everyone had heard all about this guy but never seen me so yeah wow. that was quite full on but in in regards to rehabilitation and stuff unfortunately back then there wasn't NDIS there wasn't much allied health so I kind of just went from trying to get all these goals or kicking goals, so to speak, in, in um, the spinal unit to coming home to almost nothing. So I probably regressed quite a bit and um, just sort of did my own thing, hung out with mates when I could. I wasn't really – I went and watched soccer and I was like, oh, I don't want to go. I can't play anymore. And then my dad was like, well, if you can't – do that why don't you do the next best thing and help coach with me and that was one of the best things that ever happened to me really just gave me a bit more of a purpose because I felt like I didn't really have one at the yeah. time and then yeah I wasn't working and then uh, mates my one of my best friends his mum was a principal and she rang me up in 2008 so I got out of rehab at midway through 2005 so I probably had a couple of years of just sort of doing nothing and then she rang me and said would you like to be a teacher aide and I was like hell yeah but I didn't even finish school what's going on <laughs> she's like you'll be great at it and yeah I've been doing that ever since so that was wow. pretty cool but yeah in terms of rehab not too much mentally just yeah physically just didn't really have people showing me what to do yeah that's incredible what an incredible opportunity you had that kind of changed your life really yeah, like you probably wouldn't have even thought of that no well that, at the time too I sort of compared I don't know you do definitely oh how do I I can't do that I can't do this I haven't trained for that so basically by her giving me the opportunity and almost not letting me say no it made me try something where I, otherwise I was a bit apprehensive of everything. So yeah. sort of chucked me in the deep end and yeah, I've been doing it ever since. Now you're getting pencils stabbed into your <laughs> Yeah, pencils and 
kids thinking they, <laughs> what a great job. Yeah, kids thinking they cured me because they why don't your legs move? And they'd bend my leg straight and then bend it back and then go, you're healed. And I'm like, thank you. Oh. And they're like, you're welcome. And that was it. So, yeah. Oh, bless you. Yeah, so I've had, a, it's been a really good experience and opportunity I'm forever grateful of. Yeah. yeah. What age um, do you normally work with? Like a whole variety? Um, I've only just done primary. So anywhere from prep to, well, back then grade seven, but grade six now. And then, um well, behavioral management and stuff like that. I've been all over the shop, really. So it's all fun, but prep, yeah. hats off to prep teachers. It's not my go. Yeah, tough job. <laughs> you get to do the fun things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you said you had a girlfriend, obviously, while you, when you had your accident. Yeah. What happened with that? And also, did any other relationships in your life change post yeah. injury? Oh, she was amazing through... Um, my the whole time really through my rehab and everything and um yeah I think just life really we were both only 18 we're back home for a little bit and we more just um yeah mutually I think just we're like oh it's pretty tough so went our separate ways and yeah it was a little bit awkward there for a while but we still talk now so yeah yeah but definitely um grateful for everything she did for that period of time and then Pretty much so after that, not just after that, but being young and disabled you and you overthink things a little bit, I probably just withdrew myself a little bit in regards to relationships and stuff like that. Probably had a few opportunities where things could have went to that, but I sort of knocked it on the head before it ever got an opportunity to do anything. But definitely in the later stages, so probably the last five or so years, I've sort of been more open to dating. but. I've um yeah sort of saw a few people here and there but hadn't really had too many proper relationships as you'd call it but yeah yeah you have a girlfriend now is yeah that right? I've got one now and she's incredible yeah tell us the story um, well it's pretty it's a pretty cool story actually but um well not so much but I um yeah I mean, I'm sure it's a cool story well I just moved here in February like coming up to on the 22nd or something so it'll be like a year since I moved here and then I was like I'm not sure why a bit like everyone you're not sure why you're on tinder and bumble and all that stuff <laughs> I and, question it all the time yeah so I was like on it but I was like I'm not ready to meet anyone or anything I don't even know my way around Brisbane or outside of my unit so but I found my way on there and was on um bumble and we matched she's a teacher and she grew up on the Gold Coast, but she's actually, funny enough, was teaching in Emerald at the time, but it was here on school holidays and we just matched and wow. met up and kicked off. And then, yeah, we just sort of spoke to each other every day since then. And now she's moved back to Brisbane and, yeah, it's all going great guns. Oh, la, la. Love that. Yeah, I know, right? That's awesome. Because when we met, you were like, I don't know what to get for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely gardens. Yeah, no, we got some presents and yeah, no, it's going really well and like a bit of a change in both our lives going from long distance when she was in yeah. Emerald, but then also like she's got a new job, new surroundings, I've got it. So yeah, it's like a fair bit going on, but we're going well and love being in each other's company. So who knows? Oh, that's I exciting. Look at you smiling right now. Yeah, he's got a little cashier yeah, cap. Well, I'll go red. <laughs> I'll go red. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. 
It's cute. I love it. So how did you, I guess, feel putting yourself out there on Hinge and Bumble and Tinder and all those dating apps? Um, yeah, like what was your experience, I guess? Like it's already scary. It's, it's bloody funny. scary. Well, yeah, like it's funny. I um, In the past, probably, I used to always have, I'm trying to think of the word, but I basically had snippets of my wheelchair and my disability there, but I was never like put it full out there because I guess in a way, sure, I'm in a wheelchair, but I want people to get to know me first and then then make that decision. But in another way, it's also, I as I got older, I used it as a filter because it's like put myself out there as I am. And if they don't like that or it's not something they want in their life, then it's not someone I want in my life. So why waste the time chatting and getting to know someone and then them be like that? So, yeah, yeah basically probably the last, yeah, when I moved here, I was like, oh, it's, I don't know anyone. I don't have any, like, there's no people knowing me or are this girlfriend's brother's friend who knows you. So it was all new here. So it was just chuck yourself out there. I had photos of my standing frame and me in my chair. Yeah. And I I think in a way some people embraced it too. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Just embracing vulnerability. But it's funny. A few of my mates used to say they're like, when they when we'd be playing on our phones swiping, they're like, geez, you're pretty ruthless for a bloody cripple. <laughs> and I'd be like, fair enough. Yeah, Joe. And I'd be like, no, nah, well, it is what it is, mate. I got standards. And so yeah, I didn't um there was a yeah, a few matches, but I didn't always like connect or talk with many. And then yeah, especially with um Sarah, we just kicked off straight away. So you just sort of know sometimes with some people and Let's knead up and then, yeah, went from there. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. There's so a smile again. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go yeah. distract you from the relationship talk <laughs> because you're getting nervous. <laughs> but what about your other relationships, your friendships? How did your friendships go after your injury? Yeah, so the people I had when I had my injury, considering I wasn't really friends with them. So, yeah kind of got a little bit awkward there mm-hmm. stages being a small town it was like yeah there's like people picking sort of sides and stuff where I was like it's no big deal like we can't change it so it is what it is so that probably that that wasn't really um didn't really surprise me too much and then predominantly though everyone was really cool like you see sort of maybe drop off a few acquaintances here and there but my close mates were amazing like so so good pretty much too because I was real with them I'm like when I got home I said at the time I didn't realize like I could still go to the beach and stuff but I was like if you're going to the beach or doing things I can't do don't like pussyfoot around it and be like oh yeah no we're not doing anything this weekend just tell me how it is and so they were the same and yeah we've had so many good times and lots of funny stuff and they've just embraced it and been like we don't care Dan that it might be a bit more work or that you're in your wheelchair because we want you to be with us so they just made it work so yeah luckily though lots of my friends have been amazing and um, continue to be and I've just found again that meeting new people as well you just have to be yourself and put it all out there don't hide anything and then people want to be around you so yeah, yeah, exactly right. You learn a lot of lessons through life, hey. Yeah. So I've obviously gone through 
like a lot of negatives, but it makes you yeah, view things differently. Yeah. And I like those friendships, those family, like putting yourself out there. Like so many people to this day are so scared to like put themselves out there, but you're just like, well, I'm not going to get anywhere unless I put myself out. Yeah. There. And I think it's almost like a catalyst as well. Like if this didn't happen to you, potentially, you might've just been in like, you know, an 18 year old kid and it would have taken you another 10 years to kind of get yeah. to where you were when you were like a couple of years after your injury, because it made you grow up. It made you kind of realize who you were and what you wanted and what you, I guess, wanted out of life. Cause you appreciated it so much. more. Learn a lot about perspective as well. So you, um, yeah, that's a really big one, but mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, when you get, sort of sat on your butt and it makes you sort of think about life a bit more and what you really do value and stuff like that so in a way yeah it's been a blessing I suppose I would go back and change it just for the physicality of my life but if I could change if I could go back to being able-bodied but be who I am now like I was a bit of a I wasn't dirtbag. I was only 18 but I was very confident and a bit arrogant and stuff mm. like a lot more my life sort of made me more empathetic to everything and stuff like that i was always like nice-ish but i was yeah just young i like to think i'd grow out of it but yeah i was a bit of a dick (laughs) a bit of a dick yeah i think everyone is when they're that young though i you do a bit of personal development i'm presuming Uh, i look at your facebook and the videos that you share and things like that it's really it's, it's those videos you watch where you're just like super inspired and that whole personal development philosophy yeah that's something you work on? Yeah, definitely. But I'm also a really big overthinker too. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I think about everything and anything. We all do it. We're all overthinkers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there will be a lot of, when my friends listen to this, there'll be a lot of nodding heads going, yeah, you yep. definitely overthink, yep. Daniel. So you're telling us before that you, when you first had your injury, there was no NDIS support. I actually didn't realise that the NDIS didn't exist like what 15 years ago ago. or something it's been going wow whoa so what i guess what supports did you get before i know you said that oh they obviously raised a lot of money for you yeah at your hometown but how did you kind of navigate that and then when did the ndas come into your life yeah so they all the uh funds they raised were predominantly like to build the little like granny flat on the side of my um house and then um like the wheelchair gym and things like that like um so, yeah, it wasn't really as far as supports. There wasn't that much. So lots of it was on mum and dad at the time. And then through the spinal injuries, I can't think of the name now, but basically you had to apply to get a, like some support workers around. And I hated that, like with a passion. Like I yeah. hated it, like so bad. More so, also then it was a smaller town. And so you didn't really get to pick and choose. So I sort of just had middle-aged ladies and um, not, 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 that that's, not that that's a bad thing, but when, like you're, eight, when you're 18, you're like, I don't want to cruise around the shops and basically have a yeah. second mum following me everywhere. So yeah. yeah, I really, but in a way I'm grateful for it as it took a bit of the burden off mum and dad, although they still had a big one, but um yeah, so we just made made do with what we had, which was a yeah a bit of support through that way. And then um, luckily then, yeah, the NDIS came in about five years ago and it's been life-changing. Like the people who are, have disabilities and injuries and stuff now, like have no idea how good it is and how much simpler it makes your life. Like sure, it's a big deal to do all the reports and follow up all this different allied health but like it's yeah it's definitely helping people 
get out and become more independent. Like it's changed my life already just in the last five years. Amazing. Mm. What type of support do you receive from the NDIS? Well, yeah, you get um, OT, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, Mm -hmm. exercise physiologists, um, yeah, like support workers, pretty much anything you need. Like obviously you don't always get it. You have to like, um, show cause why and then have reports written for it but mm-hmm. yeah like I like I mentioned when I came home to Gladstone I didn't have a physio or an exercise physiologist or any of that showing me and my body like I've actually by moving here just in the last year like I've transformed mentally and physically like so much already but they've also said like your body's <laughs> not in the best shape just from not like I didn't know at the time I was young, I was like, my body doesn't work. Why would I look after it? Where now I'm like, shit, I wish I did a little bit more because she's old legs and that get a bit stiff. But um, yeah, like it's been amazing having the NDIS. And when you compare our health system to like America and stuff like that, like we're so, so blessed. We are mm. absolutely. We're so, so lucky here in Australia. Yeah. Mm. How do you find like disability access in places? I guess being in the city is probably better. They probably tailored to that a little bit more, but how did you kind of find that originally and now? Yeah, not the best, especially in little towns. So like Gladstone's really hilly, didn't have the best access. At the time, again, I was young, so I was always with people. So you get carried up the stairs, fall down the stairs. Yeah, so... Not the best, and it is quite disheartening and not so much. I sort of feel it more like when I'm with my partner now or when you're with friends. Like You just don't want things to be more difficult than they are. So if you're going on a date, you kind of just want to, you know, get to where you're going and cruise in. But if it's just like, oh, shit, we got to go around the back or we can't quite get you in, so you got to find somewhere else. So... But I also am a realist and know the world's not made for disabled people. So you have to have like not silly expectations, but luckily it's slowly just becoming the norm and the better, the quicker that happens, the better it will be because it just helps everyone, elderly people, people with prams, people just in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Would you be able to run through like what your typical day is? Because I feel like people don't really know because like, Obviously, yeah, we're looking even around our apartment because we wanted to have you here. And I was kind of more aware. I was like, yeah, there's like so many different like access things. Like, and I was like, I don't, we don't think like that. So what, what do you do on your typical day? Like when you get up in the morning, you're going to work, like what's, what's your routine? What's your structure? Yeah. It's funny you say that with how you assess things. So like people once they've sort of in my life a little bit, like you could ask Sarah, after that, everywhere you go, like if she goes somewhere cool, you're like, yeah, and I had to- uh, disability toilets and the doorways are wide. And like, you sort of look, you're a bit like Terminator, just looking around and be like, boy, that, this place is pretty cool. But um, so yeah, that's, it's really cool to hear people that just being more aware of that, even like yourselves when like, oh, we could have Dan around, but you have to check it out, which is good. So um, that's cool to hear, but yeah, my daily life, I'm pretty lucky. I'm sort of quite independent. So I luckily I've got like a shower chair. So I always put that beside my bed every night so, or behind my wheelchair. So then when I wake up in the morning, I'll just transfer onto that. And when obviously people don't always know the transferring. So basically 
I do everything through my arms. So you sort of just on the bed and shuffle yourself left, left or left and right and transfer onto the chair. And so I shower. Luckily, I've got like an open plan shower here, which is good because like lots of places, it's my biggest gripe at the moment. I may as well get it out there. Is I go, I go to like hotels or anywhere and I've got the glass panes of their door but they're always like 20 centimetres too narrow, where if they just made it a bit wider, you could like wheel in, walk in. Like it's always that little bit too narrow so you can't shower. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Dries I heard mental. they listen like, to this. Yeah. And that little step, there's always little steps you'd have to, even if you were to cheat. Or the little, little wiggly over it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I have a shower. Usually I can sort of, yeah, get myself some breakfast or I have, I've got some really amazing support workers at the moment that are almost like, uh, well, they are like friends as well. So that's cool. So you don't even feel like, so they'll come around and like, we'll sort of prepare some food and stuff and then head off to um, gym. So at the moment, everything's rugby based. So Monday night, I train three hours. Tuesday now I'm working, doing an admin job at an occupational therapist, which is cool. So I do that and then on a Tuesday, Wednesday I work, Wednesday afternoon I do three hours rugby, Thursdays is my day off and I have exercise physiologist in the afternoon and then um, Fridays I train two hours in the morning for rugby and then I have the Friday Arvo off. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty busy at the moment. And, and you have a girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah. What does she fit? Yeah, no, <laughs> I know, right? And then, yeah, we usually spend the weekend together, like at the moment with her, like just starting school and with me, everything going on. The uh, weekdays are usually out. But, and then, yeah, back quickly circling back to the NDIS is my car's getting modified as we speak. So once I can do that, I'll be driving and getting in and out of my car independently which changed my life at the moment I'm driving but people are putting my chair in and out and it's frustrating so can we talk about how you drive the car how does that how does that happen so obviously you've got some kind of extra I don't know bitty bop to get in the car oh no I just use my leg (laughs) bitty bop I just use my right foot can you use your right foot to drive? This is confusing. What? Ah, I got you going like, there. Like, like, oh, you. I was like, is there something on your, like, I was like, is there something on your arm? And you're like, push no. it down. And then I've seen your video of you on a golf caddy. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I drive the golf buggy with a walking stick. So. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. But no, so just under, there's hand control. So underneath the right indicator is a little lever that you push down towards the ground to accelerate and then you push um, towards the dash to brake. Wow. So that's pretty much all you do. And then other people like paraplegics would just have their hand on the steering wheel where mine's got like a bit of a holder or like a knob that you hang on to. And mm. there you go. But because I don't have any core stomach muscles, it took a little bit to get going. A few times when I turn right, I sort of feel like <laughs> I just keep I keep keep going to the left like I'm about to fall over but you just face my it. OT's on to that so you're like corners <laughs> pretty much yeah so, but yeah so that's how I drive and but yeah and getting a new car really helped I had an old Commodore which I couldn't yeah it was just 
turning circle was horrible and then it didn't have a nav man and i was shit scared of being in brisbane without a nav man oh mm. man even with a nav man it's still freaking terrible driving around yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> i know right but yeah that's how i drive and i haven't oh. crashed yet touch wood. <laughs> hey i'm touching wood right now i don't say that shit i know right <laughs> i'm pretty accident prone it's all if anything happens it usually happens to me if you ask friends and family oh so. god <laughs> can we um can we just talk about like you as like in your early twenties, like going out with your mates and um, potentially like going downstairs? Like, how did that happen, please? Like, well, that's just that not like, early twenties. That was probably only a couple of years ago. Oh my it? god! Because like yeah. looking at that, being like, is this guy intoxicated when he did this? Like, did you go down well, to the definitely. That one, we we're at a races day, but there was one before that. I scraped all my face. We were trying to get to a nightclub, and it was. We're like, oh, shit, it's nearly lockout. So one of my mates is just pushing, like running as fast as we can on the road. <laughs> and then my front wheels hit a ditch. So oh. then I just supermaned out the front, right at the front of the nightclub, got up, just blood all over my face. Boys picked me up, put me in the chair. And the bouncer's like, sorry, guys, lockout. We're like, oh, we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, we're like, look at that effort, mate. But no, the biggest one was at a races day. It's still, it's my fault. We were... We're like, right, let's go. We're going to leave. We're going out, heading up to the pub. And there's probably like five stairs there, steps. And usually I go, if a boys grab onto me, I go backwards. That way I'm like, ba-bump, 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 down the stairs backwards. And I'm sort of safe. Well, I can go front ways. But anyway, my mate said we were getting towards the stair and then the stairs. And he goes, next minute your chairs at the top, the top of the stairs and you're at the bottom just and I was knocked out I was knocked out for like nearly like three minutes or something like and the boys know I don't like to like a fuss made of me so they were they just picked me up and put me in my chair and I'm like all like knocked out still and oh, yeah and I blew all my face out like luckily I didn't bust my tip uh my teeth but my lip was all stuffed. Like, I don't really remember much. And that ambulance that was there for the jockeys took me to the hospital. So for the horse racing. So I love that they're just like, just get him in the chair. I just feel like your chair. friends would have been like, he's dead. No. we've killed him. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, sorry, the ambulance or the hospital rang my parents and they're like, does Dan have an acquired brain injury? God, your poor parents. Oh, and mum just like, what? Yeah. And they're like, what the hell? Because they said, and then I just kept repeating myself. But luckily I was all right. And so, yeah, I get up to a bit of mischief. But my mum, after that, she had a good point. She said, like, not that it's all you've got, but she goes, your body's damaged and broken now, but your brain's fine. So you have to, like, look after that. Yes. And sort of woke me up a little bit. But, yeah, I still just, like, I stacked my little scooter here and Brizzy a couple of times already. Oh. Like, I just get a bit caught up in the moment and I'm a very 50-50 dude. So I'm like, well, let's just see what, what happens. I'd rather know what happens than not know. So I get caught up in the moment a You're little still bit. still a boy, really. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 36-year-old kid. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Just never going to grow up. Oh, my goodness. No. Just imagine the mom, like, getting a phone call, being oh, like, you know, like, he's just got a head injury now, potentially. It's like, what? I always, yeah, I always have a bit of a joke with her. I'm like, you're pretty anxious, mum. She's like, well, between you, your dad and your sister, I've had to ring triple O nine times, so give me a break. So, oh, my God. Yeah. Poor woman. She needs to be looked after. I know, right? So, 
yeah, I can just imagine. And now I'm getting a bit older, I like understand yeah. how that would feel now too. So. Mm, absolutely. So if someone was listening to this podcast and I don't know, they maybe had a new injury, spinal cord injury, or they had a friend or they had a relative or someone that had a spinal cord injury, what's something like, what's some advice that you would want them to know of that took you a while to know, or, I mean, definitely not dripping sweat on your face. I know that's something <laughs> yeah. not to do. Um, and I know giving yeah. cookies is something good to do. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what's, what's some of your advice that you've learned over the last, what, 12, 14 years? Whatever. Oh, I think it's, no, I think this year will be almost half my life. So yeah. 18, 17, I don't know. And I was like, teach yeah. your shitty maths. <laughs> I've got really bad maths. I'm like 12, yeah. 14, 16. Yeah. Yeah. like, yep, that one. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Long, long time is what long it is. Um, yeah. I've probably got a couple of things like, I don't know. You always hear people say, oh yeah, you'll be right. And it's like, you'll be fine. But no, you're going to have shitty times. Like you're going to have shitty times and you got to deal with it and not push it away. So mine would be deal with that. And by dealing with that, whether it's talking to people professionally or if you have close friends and family, all of that. So that'd be a big one for me. The other one would be, and it's something I'm really bad at still, but I'd, it's like um, do as I say, not as I do, would be um, don't compare yourself to other people. Yeah as in other injuries like we're all so unique you don't know what they've got that you don't have or what you have that they don't have mm. so that'd be a big one just uh concentrate on your own journey and then another one would be have a go at everything like on the sarah and i on the weekend went axe throwing <laughs> I, I can't even hold an axe so like properly so you did well think, yeah she's like are you nervous and i'm like bloody oath I'm nervous I want to hit the board at least but yeah I'd like I said 50 50 for me I'd rather have a go at something and be disappointed and no I can't do it rather than be like oh I wonder if I could have done that and now I've missed out on something so yeah have a go at everything and not so much not that because not being normal isn't right but try to normalize your life a bit you don't have to have your whole life um disability friendly and oh, I can't do this or I can't do that like just jump in and have a go at things and try it and you'll be amazed at how much more you can do that you thought you couldn't sure there'll be things that you can't do that you really thought you could do and that's happened and you are bummed but you just get on get over it and move on so yeah, yeah that'd probably be my three things for someone that got injured that's great that's love great that. advice I love you know, all that's that. not even like even being injured advice I think that's just like life amazing advice. life advice yeah. like yeah true definitely well that's what i mean it sort of applies for everyone it's just basically all us people with disabilities or anyone that's a little different is we're all the same really we've just got little hiccups and things that are a bit different or harder to deal with than other people but we're all got it um things we need to deal with i heard this amazing quote recently and i've like stuck in my head and it's similar to what you were kind of saying and it was it's comparison is the thief of joy Oh yeah. Oh, that's that. a good one. I love that quote. Like every time yeah. I think of someone now and I'm like comparing myself, I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. Every time I think of it, I'm like, stop thinking about that. Cause it's, it's like, that's not my life. I need to, no. you know, live my life and how I want to live it and my truth, not anyone else's. In a way it's natural, but you know, like you said, it's also, it's good. It can spur you on a little bit, but if you get too in depth in it, it just, yeah. Like yeah. robs you of all your joy because whatever you've accomplished isn't as good because someone's 
done a bit more. So exactly. Yeah, mm. I like that quote. Yeah, Give yeah. me some goosebumps. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so, what is next for you? What is next for your life, your journey, your girlfriend? What's happening in your life? Tell us. <laughs> going to be a little ring, <laughs> ring on that. Are you going to get? Yeah, woo the brakes. Woo the brakes. She's amazing, but we'll go baby steps. <laughs> now. Uh, no, um, well, yeah, I don't know. I'll definitely pursue like being 36. I'm probably a little late into the like wheelchair rugby. Not that like I know people have played in the national team like at 50, but I'll definitely give that a red up crack. Like I said, going to Melbourne with the emerging talent uh, team, and so dive right into that because it's been so long and everyone that knows me knows that I'm happiest when I'm being competitive and playing sport. So that um, eventually, I, I don't know, I, I'd, I've been told to do teaching like um, full time. Wow. I'm not sure, but like, yeah, I'd like to, I don't know, maybe just get something a bit more locked in professionally, whether I study, I've always been, um, interested in counseling or psychology and stuff like that. Um, but pretty much just having a well-rounded life. I've sort of always concentrated on like, um, when I was coaching, it was coaching or, uh, like sports or just everything. I just want to get the most out of life and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one, but definitely that probably short term jump into the rugby flat out. then um yeah pretty much hopefully everything just stems and flows from there but I also know there's a balance like I get it's pretty full-on I get pretty tired from rugby and I know mentally I have to like yeah get out and just see friends and go see a comedy show or get out and about and watch some music and stuff and Yeah. yeah it's a tricky one who really knows just ride the roller coaster you have to have goals I guess just a happy simple fulfilling life yeah pretty much yeah yeah look after my health a bit (laughs) a bit better (laughs) not fall down any stairs stop that okay we don't need any more scares my parents are gonna have a heart attack (laughs) yeah well it's definitely radiating out of you as i said when i met you i was just like there's something about this guy he's just just got this different mindset and like that's what we love and that's why yeah. we, we like to talk to people with those mindsets because we you know you try to surround yourself with those types positive of people energy. you know that positive energy and that's exactly what oozes out of you when people meet you mm. so i mean those kids are so lucky yeah. to have you as their teacher aid i know they're putting pencils in you <laughs> don't take that personally <laughs> no I definitely won't. i know they're so lucky to yeah. to have you there and to and to guide them because that energy is oozing onto other people yeah and it's really inspiring mm. Oh, thank you. It's good to know. Good to know. Positive energy energy breeds. It does. Yeah, and that's what we love on Keep You Gin Up podcast. Yeah. We love that shit. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for no, I really liked it. Hopefully yeah. I didn't waffle too much. No, it was yeah. so we'll great. Be, well, no, family and friends will be like, Jesus, Daniel, what are you on? Yeah. <laughs> They're going to froth over it. They love it. Uh, <laughs> hope so. Hope so. Well, thank you again, Legend, for being with us on Keep You Gin Up podcast. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. We're sending love, life and laughter always. Bye. <laughs>